White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? (laughs) This presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly, August 28, 2021. I'm Connor McKnight, and the White Sox and Cubs play baseball tonight at Guaranteed Rate Field. It'll be game two of a three-game series, already four between the White Sox and Cubs in the books. Each one of those ball games have been wins for the White Sox, although none of them may be wilder than last night. 17-13 the final. White Sox over the Cubs, and it was insane. A four-hour and nine-minute game. Yasmani Grandal with all kinds of heroics in his return to the White Sox lineup for the first time in 52 days. We'll talk about what Grandal has brought back to the lineup now that he's healthy and returned. We'll talk about all things White Sox as well. Here's the plan for the afternoon as we head to the 5.30 start of our White Sox pregame show here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. We're going to talk with Lucas Giolito in just a little bit. He's got some pregame prep to do, so I think we'll talk to Lucas here in the first hour or so of the show, maybe even the first half hour, Uh, but Lucas has been on a tear recently. His last couple of starts, six innings, one run given up. Six innings, two runs given up his last two times through the rotation. He and the rest of the White Sox rotation have started back to their dominant ways in the you know, first couple of months of 2021. They have been impactful. They have kept their ball club in games. And now this offense, which returns Yasmani Grandal for the first time last night, and he registers uh, a tie for a career high in RBI with two three-run homers and another two-RBI hit. Eight runs driven in for Yasmani Grandal last night. Ties a career high and helped the White Sox win 17-13 over the Cubs. You know, there's a lot of questions in my mind that I want to ask White Sox fans this afternoon about what this team is capable of. I mean, right now, You have a White Sox team that we've looked at all season long with the expectations that were set in front of them at the very start of spring training with Rick Hahn and then everyone else who was in a White Sox uniform talking about their expectations to play deep into the postseason to make this a special year. It feels as though, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but and you can tell me if I'm if I'm wrong or you feel differently or you've got a tweak to this three one two. 332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly for the afternoon. It feels like, yeah, the season leading up to this point, at least from a fan standpoint, from the outside looking in, it's been a blast. It's been amazing to watch this team, you know, kind of survive and advance through the injuries that it's had and really excel at times with performances from guys that you didn't expect to provide for this 2021 White Sox team. But At some point, in the back of my head, and I wonder if you feel the same way, at some point, I just kept thinking, well, I wonder what this team looks like when they're fully healthy. I wonder what this team looks like when it's got all of the pieces and parts 
that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Tony La Russa and even the players themselves when they either signed with the White Sox or got traded to the team, even what, what those guys themselves were thinking, okay, now that we're clicking, now that we've got all of these weapons available to us, here's what we're able to accomplish. So that's kind of my question to you as we start White Sox Weekly today. Now that they are as healthy as they've ever been in 2021, what are they capable of? They're already 20 games over 500 after winning last night, 75 and 55. They already have a 10-game lead on the American League Central. They won last night. Cleveland lost last night. Kind of a heartbreaker for Cleveland. Boston came back with three in the eighth inning and then held on uh, to beat Cleveland. Certainly no tears, but it's a heartbreaker for Cleveland. A 10-game lead on the American League Central. And now the magic number for the White Sox is it 25? Peel back the curtain just a little bit. The other day, Ryan McGuire is the executive producer of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, and I were, were talking about, okay, let's. when do we start taking a look at the magic number? When does that start being a thing that, that really matters in the conversation? Because, you know, 28, 29, 30, that seems outlandish. That seems like just wish casting. The White Sox are in a position to go ahead and win the AL Central and win it by a wide margin. Yeah, we get that. But is really pushing a magic number and making it part of the content here on the network something we feel comfortable with at 30? No, not necessarily. And we kind of, you know, arbitrarily settled on the 25 number, that magic number of 25 being one where you go, okay, now this kind of starts to feel real. This kind of starts to make uh, both the White Sox team, the level of competition, the schedule itself, it kind of brings it all into focus. So now that that magic number is, is where it feels like, a, like it's a, really, a realistic, uh, um, an, an on-the-cusp kind of situation, we're talking about that too. So that's kind of the question, given, given where the White Sox are at and as healthy as they are, now that they are healthy, what are they capable of? I think last night's game was an expression of, of some of those answers. You know, you had a rough start from Dallas Keuchel, and we'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into some of the roster conversations uh, as the White Sox and the rest of baseball go to 28-man rosters in September or on September 1st, um, just a couple of days away. And remember, in case you're going, oh, Connor, 28? That's not how it usually works. Remember that rule that got tweaked is a permanent change, or at least as, as permanent as change gets in Major League Baseball. The rosters expand to only 28. Used to be that... They were limited, limitless rosters once teams got to September. That anybody on the forty man was eligible to be put onto that postseason, or onto the, uh, the the last month, month and a half of, of of rostership. That is no longer the case, and teams will expand to twenty eight from twenty six, but no more than that. So as, as you kind of discuss what those roster options and what players you'd like to see up for September to either you know, take a load off a starter that might need a, a break here or there or a guy that could mix into the rotation and spread some things out, not necessarily talking about the White Sox because those guys are all really up at the big league club, but in other situations, you, know, you take a look at a guy that might be able to be a six starter or a spot kind of guy every now and again. Those are the decisions that are going to have to be made by teams all over the place, whether they're searching for a playoff spot or just kind of holding on for the rest of the season. The White Sox are in that conversation, and it's an interesting one, too, with the names and, and performances that Tony La Russa and Rick Hahn are going to have to evaluate when they make those decisions about who's on that 28, 28-man 28 roster and who's not. 
that's that's for a little bit later in the show, and and we'll break into that some. But I I think you know in in terms of last night, what you're seeing, and, and I think to a point, what you've seen all season long, is a team that's capable of picking up for any one element that lets you down on a night. And I I think that's partly winning baseball. You need to have a team that offensively is able to cover for a bad start here and there. You need to have a rotation that's able to cover for a tough offense every so now every now and again. You need to have a bullpen that can come out and strand runners when the rotation scuffles a little bit late in starts or isn't able to have uh, the length in some starts that they'd want to have some. And I think at different points during the year, you've seen the White Sox be able to do each one of those things. The bullpen has picked it up for this team. The starting rotation has obviously been the strength, a strength of this team all year long. And last night, what you saw was a, a, a closest to fully healthy offense that we've seen all year long pick up for a rough start from Dallas Keuchel. 17 runs against the Cubs is a huge number, especially when you think about what they came back from. You know, six down in the first inning. To, to get picked up like that, not only is it going to lift the spirits of that offense, but it's going to lift the starters, it's going to lift the bullpen. Those kind of nights, you know, those kind of tides raise all ships. And I think that's what made last night so special. And it's not about the quality of competition that you're playing against. Yes, the Cubs have traded away, you know, notable names. And on our team that's just kind of, you know, holding on for the rest of the season, there's no shame in that necessarily. Teams go through that part of their of their process of contention. But when you're the White Sox facing a team like that, your job, regardless of the odds you're facing, is to beat that team next to you. Beat that team across from you, rather. That's what the Sox were able to accomplish last night, and that's what you hope they're able to get back to accomplishing uh, on a more regular basis all the way through the end of August and into September. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. We're going to talk with Lucas Giolito in just a little bit here on the show, but the question for you as we get started this afternoon is, now that they're healthy, what more are the White Sox capable of? I want to know your thoughts on that. We've got Len Asks for you in just a little bit. Len Casper's got a question for you this Saturday. Uh, and we'll also, <laughs> this is in the last night's postgame show, uh, or in the last night's postgame conferences, Yasmani Grandal got ejected from his final game at AAA Charlotte, and the story about it is pretty darn funny. You'll hear it here on the show this afternoon as well. Sox fans, you can lock in your seats for 2022 with a ticket package and get postseason access for 2021. The time is now. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash season tickets or call 312-674-1000. This is White Sox Weekly. We'll be back after a quick break. You've got the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. We're at Guaranteed Rate Field. It is warm today, about 93 on the thermometer here, at least uh, on my phone. It's even got a special weather statement, which I think just says it's hot. It's a reminder that it's very, very hot. 
Uh, obviously, ball games all across the country have been dealing with this for a little while. And uh, now that you know, I was driving into the ballpark today and caught a little college football on the radio, and and it's uh, it's on at a couple of monitors here. On it just doesn't feel like we're at that point of the year because it has been so warm. You know, we've seen whether it's uh, White Sox starting pitchers or, or last night's starting pitcher for the Cubs, Keegan Thompson. We've seen jersey changes fairly often for the starters, and that's not uh, it's not always the case, but it's got to be done, you know, at times. I can't imagine what it would be like, you know, to be out there and working through 100-something pitches and just, you know, drenched in your own jersey, and it gets heavier, and then each ball you're throwing gets harder. I just, it's it's so hot. It's just very, very hot, and teams are going to have to, you know, just kind of, I, I guess, push through it one way or another. White Sox pushed through the Cubs last night, 17-13. to not sure the metaphor works, but I'm going to stick with it. Sox have the lineup out for tonight's game against the Cubs. I want to go through that real quickly with you. Tim Anderson's going to lead off. He's at short. Yoan Mankata batting second. He's at third base. Jose Abreu is at first. Aloy Jimenez is in left. Yasmani Grandal is going to play in back-to-back games, but he will DH today as opposed to catch. Brian Goodwin is in center field. Andrew Vaughn is in right Cesar Hernandez is at second base, and Sebi Zavala does the catching tonight. He's in the nine spot. Lance Lynn is the starter for the White Sox against the Cubs. So uh, Lynn looking to back up another good start of his own. Lance went seven and gave up just one last time out. That was just a few days ago, really. Uh, You had the Rodon start, a real good Lucas Giolito start, a very nice Dylan Cease start against the Blue Jays. Lance's last was a seven-inning, four-hit, one-run, four-strikeout, no-walk job against the Blue Jays. Sox did lose that game. That was kind of a, that was a late one. Blue Jays came back to score one in the eighth and won that game at two to one. White Sox would end up uh, evening that series though, two and two in a four-game set against the Blue Jays. And you know we talked about this on White Sox Weekly's plural uh, leading into the last two weeks of baseball for the Sox. There were those 14 games against the Yankees, against the A's, against the Rays, and then against the Blue Jays. And, you know, in the postgame press conference last night, Tony La Russa kind of talked uh, about some of those games. And, you know, actually, Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, talked about a couple of those games as we led into the postgame or pregame show last night as well. And, yeah, there were some stinkers, and there were some comebacks, and there were some letdowns. Uh, and then there were just some, you know, outright dominant performances where the White Sox stomped on better uh, against good competition. I was just say better competition than they're facing today, which I guess is true, but a little more mean-hearted than I need to be. That's that's kind of what you expect in 14 games against really good opponents, all of which are trying to solidify their own postseason spots. You've seen how the Yankees have gone on to play over their last 13, 14 games since taking two of three against the White Sox. They're one of baseball's hottest teams. I mean, the Yankees have vaulted. They've won 10 in a row. They're on a 13-game win streak. They've gotten themselves back into contention for maybe the AL East. They're four behind the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're on top of a wild-card spot. They're three games up on Boston for the first wild-card spot, and Boston has a a three-and-a-half-game lead on Oakland. So we've kind of seen as we start, as the White Sox started that 14-game stretch against quality opponents, all quality opponents, We've kind of seen a a reshuffling of the playoff rankings, perhaps, or certainly the standings, and exactly which guys, which teams the White Sox might have to face 
Um, you know, when the, when the White Sox started their series against the Yankees back at the Field of Dreams game all those, uh, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks ago, the Yankees didn't have a postseason spot. And I think I remember, yeah, maybe you can, you can make me eat my words on this one, but I think I remember talking with some White Sox fans on the on White Sox Weekly or maybe a postgame show about that Yankees matchup and how difficult they look. And I said, listen, yeah, it's been a tough matchup for the White Sox against the Yankees this year, but they've got to earn a playoff spot yet. So I, I still think, you know, two things there. I still think we're a couple of weeks, maybe two weeks away from really being able to start, you know, kind of hacking into and breaking apart playoff matchups and what, the White Sox look like against the A's in a three-game set, five-game set, seven-game set, you know, however you want to break it down. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, how the, how the rotations stack up, I guess, more so than, than just exactly how long the series is. But I think we're still a little bit of ways, a little bit of ways away from that. And I, I think part of that, I think you understand it, I think you feel it, um, is, is just kind of getting more settled with how healthy the White Sox are now. You know what I mean? What exactly are the White Sox capable of now that Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez and Yasmani Grandal are all kind of together and supporting Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Yoan Mancata? You know, all the guys that have been here all season long, now that they're there to shore that up, what does it look like? And another thing, too, is over the last two turns through the rotation, the last 11 starts. If you take last night's rough one for Dallas out of the equation, and I think you'll, you'll let me do it because I've asked. The last 11 starts for the Sox coming into last night's game, 61 innings from the starters. That's Carlos Rodon's first start back. That's two turns for Lucas. That's one turn for uh, pardon, two turns for Dallas Keuchel. It's really two trips for everybody, except, um, well, no, two turns for everybody, including Reynaldo Lopez. 61 innings, 22 earned runs, a 3.25 ERA for the White Sox starters. That feels, and, and really does sound like, because it is, those kind of dominant numbers that the Sox staff, that the rotation had in the first month, month and a half, two months, three months of the season. So if you're back to a point where the rotation is as strong as it is, adding in the potential contributions in the future of, of Reynaldo Lopez, and who knows how things are going to work there, then you start to think, man, all you got to do now is, is get a couple of easier or at least more consistent outings from some bullpen guys. And I'm not even talking about you know, Liam Hendricks or Craig Kimbrell or Aaron Bummer or any of those guys returning to their top-tier forms. I'm just talking about a little bit more consistency, and you start to look like the most, maybe the most dangerous team on the American League side of the bracket. And yeah, that's with, with the win streak that the Yankees have been on. Because you look at the way they've been hitting, you look at the way their offense has been shaped, there have been some big hits for that team over the last 13 games. Some clutch knocks, no doubt. Some big home runs. But the numbers throughout the offense aren't exactly what you would think they are. I mean, it's not like top tier blow you away. Oh my gosh, look at the offense. And you look at the bullpen arms that are contributing for the Yankees right now. And it actually, in some ways, kind of mirrors the White Sox. It's not a Roldis Chapman, Zach Britton, who are getting things done for the, White, uh, for the Yankees in the back end of their bullpen. It's Lucas Lutke and, uh, and other 
guys that have just kind of materialized. And in, in some way, the White Sox have kind of mirrored that. Organizational depth is so huge for teams, especially now, you know, through August and into September and making pushes toward the playoffs. You need those guys while, you know, even some of the more settled veteran and consistent performers, whether that's in a bullpen or a lineup or a rotation, kind of get themselves reset, uh, maybe take a breath as they get ready for what this September push and, and wild card or division winning in the case of the White Sox push is going to look like. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Week. we kind of been asking the question throughout uh, the start of the show today. Now that the White Sox are healthy, what are they capable of? That's one of the questions out there for you. The other one is Len Asks today, and uh, we've got that for you every Saturday. Instead of you asking a question to Len or instead of you asking a question to uh, Darren Jackson or you know sometimes me, Len asks you a question. So I figured we'd get that started here in the first half hour of the show. Sean Davis is our producer back at our uh, downtown studios in Chicago here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Sean, if you wouldn't mind, let's play Len Asks for the people uh, right now. Today's Len Asks is pretty simple. After Reynaldo Lopez's five perfect innings and Yasmani Grandal's four-hit, two-homer, eight-RBI return, which player is more important to the White Sox down the stretch? Oh man! All right, Len with a Len with a quality query there. That's um. So which player, Reynaldo Lopez, with his five perfect relief innings, or Yasmani Grandal, with his eight RBI, two home run performance, is more important to the White Sox heading down the stretch? You know, I I think I know the answer to this one off the top, or at least I know where my answer would be off the top. And I think I know where most White Sox fans would fall on this one, too. But you got a chance to answer the question, 312-332-3776. I think I'd have to say Yasmani Grandal. I mean, I, I think the performance that Reynaldo Lopez has put out there the last two, two and a half weeks, while Carlos Rodon has been on the injured list, and even before that, when he was called up to feature out of the Sox bullpen, and kind of spread out of, you know, some piggyback starts, that kind of thing, it's been incredible. Five perfect innings out of the bullpen is the first time anybody's done that for the White Sox since, like, 1911. Eddie Seacott did it then. So it's been a minute. But with the way Grandal can benefit both, and, you know, I'm always going to kind of tilt to catchers here in this what do, you bring to the, uh, what do you bring to the ball club. The catcher not only has an opportunity to benefit the offense, it benefits the pitchers. If you're as good back there as Yasmani Grandal is with both the framing, defense, game calling, all that kind of stuff, and you've got your offense to bring to the game. So I'd, I'd have to say it's Yasmani Grandal, but you're more than welcome to, to put up a different answer and, and choose Randall Lopez or maybe have a different thought process to it. Answer Len asks at 312-332-3776. We're going to step aside for a quick break. We'll have Lucas Giolito, White Sox starter, joining White Sox Weekly in just a few minutes. I'm Connor McKnight. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Lucas Giolito is our guest, and we're going to get to him in just 10 seconds. We have to pause it here real quick for station ID. 
Lucas Giolito has had a real good last two starts for the White Sox. He quieted the Tampa Bay Rays and then did the same to the Toronto Blue Jays in his last two starts. He's our guest on White Sox Weekly. Lucas, really appreciate you taking some time for us this Saturday afternoon. No problem. How's it going, Connor? It's going well. It's going really well. Last night was uh, last night was a wild one. Can you kind oh, of yeah. describe, you know, how you went through the emotions of last night? Just kind of sitting back and watching everybody go through what they went through. Uh, well, me personally, I was pretty relaxed. Uh, the first inning, obviously, unlucky for Dallas. Uh, some weird stuff happened that inning. I mean, that's just kind of what happens sometimes. You know, we all go through it as starting pitchers, just having that real bad inning where it's like, man. It's like I can't buy an out right now, um, but I wasn't even worried about it. Uh, I knew that uh, our it was still very early in the game. We had nine innings to work with and that uh, our offense was going to get the job done, and that's exactly what happened. Would, would you say, though, Lucas, that there's a difference between not worrying about it and knowing it's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, so, I'd say so. I, I, I just felt confident that we were going to um, get to their starter and then uh, get to their bullpen early and continue to do more damage. I guess the reason I ask is because I, I wonder at what point you went from, eh, I'm not worried about this, to, oh, yeah, we got this one in the bag. Some At some point during that eight-run inning, <laughs> I'd say, is when, when I was like, all right, we're going to win this game. Um, you know, I thought that, Honestly, even in the first inning, I was like, I still had confidence we were going to win that game. I just, I could feel the energy in our dugout. Uh, you know, we had pre- a pretty much a packed house last night. Uh, I, I don't think that anyone was um, too concerned after that uh, top of the first. What, what does that confidence do for individual performance? You know what I like? I'm, it's, it's this team wide kind of confidence that you guys get to have a maybe use as a shield almost. And then each guy gets to take that into their own, you know, daily performance against another team. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, having confidence in yourself as an individual player uh, is hugely important for being consistent at this level. Uh, No matter, like, what the results are, no matter how well or poorly you did your last start, it's really important that you don't even worry about the results or any of those things. You just have confidence in your ability and how and how good you are. Um, and then from a team aspect, we like to gas each other up. Um, you know, we like to, to keep each other level-headed and talk some, talk some smack here and there. But at the same time, uh, we like to instill confidence in each other, uh, remind each other how good we are, uh, and then – you know, from from there on out, we can go out and, and play uh, relaxed uh, and, and, you know, I keep using the word confident, but that's pretty much what it is. I think it matters a lot, or at least if Darren Jackson is right about anything, and I think he is, confidence matters quite a bit when you're playing a 162-game season. Uh, talk with Lucas Giolito here on White Sox Weekly. Lucas, I'm looking at your last two starts against the Rays and against the Blue Jays. Uh, they're obviously quality starts. They are long starts for you, going seven and then going six against the Rays and Jays. When you look back at the tape, if, if this is part of kind of the regular setup for going into your next, what specific things will you lift from those two starts and go, yep, those are the things that I feel really good about bringing into the next one? Um, they, were, they were very different. The Tampa Bay uh, start, I felt like I had 
pretty much like my A stuff um, throughout that game, and I felt like it was climbing. It was getting better as the game went on. And so uh, I was able to use my slider a lot, uh, have a really good pick, pitch mix in general. Um, I felt like my fastball had a lot of life that day. And so I was able to rely on the stuff and then just, you know, sequence off of that. Whereas the Blue Jays start, um, I had more of like my C stuff. And it was like, okay, we have to navigate through this lineup uh, and find find a good way to get out uh, without having, you know, 95, 96. And, and um, my slider wasn't moving as well as it usually does. So... Uh, that game, we, we went back to my bread and butter with the changeup through a lot. I think changeup was – I threw more changeups than any other pitch that game. And so that's just part of pitching and, and navigating through, you know, 32 starts uh, in the season. Like, you're not going to go out there with your best stuff every day, but uh, you still have to do your job. When you come into the dugout after, you know, your first inning where you go, I've got, your, I've got my A stuff, is it a conversation with, with Ethan or whoever's catching you that day – hey, I got it, all good, don't worry about it, versus a start like the Jays where you're talking about your, your C stuff. Is that a, hey, come over here, we need to re-game plan, we need to like, – how, how do you – do you like taking charge in a situation like that? Yeah, but uh, as far as like, you know, in between innings talking about stuff, the, the better my stuff feels that day, the less talking we're going to do. Sure. And uh, the, the more – you know, okay, we have to like navigate, we have to figure out a way uh, to get through this and, and not, you know, let too many hang over the middle of the plate. That's when we're going to be talking more. So we're definitely talking more throughout that uh, start in Toronto than in Tampa Bay. What was the uh, what was the dugout like as it was talking to Yasmani Grandal as he just kept on clicking off huge shots? I mean, he's, it's his first game back. He's, you know, I think I saw him wearing the... Um, the Chicago White Sox sleeveless basketball jersey, the way he has almost all season. You know, it was just it was just Yasmani back out there, but doing crazy stuff after missing fifty two games. Did you guys give him a little ribbon? <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's just Yaz, man. I mean, he he showed back up after the rehab start. It's like you know, it's like he never left. He was ready to go. Um, obviously, took care of took care of the injury and and you know having to get. I mean, having to get surgery in the middle of the season is always uh, going to be interesting. But, you know, he put his work in. He put his work in on the rehab assignment, got a little fired up there at the end with the ejection and, and showed up and, and uh, you know, gave us that lift we needed. And he's going to continue to give us that lift the rest of the season. It's great to have him back. So one of the things we've been talking about on White Sox Weekly getting the show started is now that the White Sox are as healthy as they've been all season long, and you guys still have some big-time players in Evan Marshall and Adam Engel and Billy Hamilton yet to come back to you guys, but now that you are as healthy as you've been, what are you capable of now? Is is that at all in your head? Um, not Not really. I mean, for us... It... It's it's great to have um, you know all of our top guys back. Uh, you know it, it gives us more confidence in in you know going out and being able to do it on all sides of the field every night. But the game plan I think stays the same. You know we show up to the field every day with an expectation to win, um, and then we just maintain that confidence throughout our pregame work. And then when it comes time for the game, we're we're loose, relaxed, having fun, and ready to dominate. 
I wonder, you know, we've, we've kind of taken, or at least I have from my perspective, uh, taken for granted how different last year was against this year because we're now back into it, right? Now it, it kind of feels close to normal life watching a, a baseball game here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Other than the fans in the stands, is there a thing about your day-to-day baseball life that you didn't realize you missed from last year to this? Oh, yeah. Uh, The biggest was last year we had a uh, cap on how many hours we could be at the field. So it was like you had to show up uh, no earlier than a certain time. And and it was pretty much like after the game, you know, get out of there pretty quickly. Whereas now we have more time uh, pregame and more time postgame to to hang out, you know, have a beer, uh, you know, connect connect with each other, uh, you know, talk about baseball, talk about life, all that good stuff, and and continue to grow closer. Does that, I mean, is is Miss, does Miss even come close to talking about what, how you felt about those opportunities? It it feels like that's just, that's so intrinsic to a team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's huge, you know, especially, you know, all winning teams, it, it, baseball is crazy. You know, we play every day. Uh, we're, we're around each other all the time. Uh, but it's very easy to kind of just like get lost in, in the monotony of everything. But uh, for us, it's important to be able to have that time where we can connect as teammates and, and you know, just friends, people in general, and, uh, you know, continue to grow closer. And, and that helps with you know, all pulling from the same rope and caring about each other on and off the field. Now that you've got, you know, kind of last night's wild one behind you and the seven or the, the 14 game stretch against all AL contenders behind you too. When you look back at the last two weeks, are there, you know, lessons that you think you guys learned as a team? Did you start looking at any one of those squads as a potential, you know, playoff partner down the line? Or was that, was that less of a thought because you're in it at that moment? Um, Tony had a meeting with us before that stretch, uh, just kind of reiterating the importance of, you know, finishing strong, uh, through the regular season and, and getting, getting everything going right for the playoffs, you know, almost entering like a playoff mode here. Uh, so, you know, I think that that helped with, uh, us, you know, really looking at the opposition, taking everything seriously, um, you know, bearing down on all of our scouting work and everything. And, uh, you know, just being uh, very present with uh, each and every game. How do you balance that excitement for what you guys know is coming and the next couple of weeks of baseball where it's a job to get done? Uh, Just continue to take it one day at a time. Um, That's at least what I do. for me, each and every start, it's like, you know, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Uh, only thing that, you know, I need to focus on. And then when it comes time for the start day, it's now one pitch at a time, even more so. Um, so that's that's what I like to do. Just, just focus on, you know, what am I going to do today to get better and prepare for my next start? And then on that start day, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm locked in, focused on each and every single pitch I throw until, you know, I give the ball back to Tony. And, uh, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but th- that's what I like to do. Just keep it very simple one day at a time. 
Lucas, really appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, congratulations on your last couple of trips to the rotation, and best of luck next time out. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Connor. You got it. That's Lucas Giolito, White Sox starter. He has been on one heck of a run, and you heard kind of how he's reshaped the focus some one pitch at a time once it gets to start day. Uh, Lucas's next will be in a couple. The White Sox have some off days, too, so he may be able to get just that one extra day uh, before his next turn through the White Sox rotation, and we've seen what that's been able to do performance-wise for each one of those guys as they get you know, maybe six or, or even sometimes seven days of rest before their next start. This is White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Sox fans, you can join us on September 11th for Sox Crawl. That's presented by Modelo. Purchase this ticket package for a pregame crawl before the White Sox take on the Red Sox. Enjoy food and drink specials, play games, win prizes, and more. Limited tickets are available, so get yours at whitesox.com slash crawl. Dallas Keuchel had a rough one against the Cubs last night. He has spoken to reporters in this pregame here, uh, or in the pregame press conferences here. So we'll bring some of that to you in just a little bit on White Sox Weekly. We've also got a real funny story about Yasmani Gandal getting tossed out of a minor league rehab start. He told the story, and we'll bring it to you uh, shortly as well. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This is White Sox Weekly. You've got the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight, White Sox and Cubs coming up here. It's game two of a second three-game series this year. Sox have won all four against the Cubs this season. They are now 69-63 and 63 all-time, a very nice win total for the White Sox. You can, you can join us on Sunday, by the way. That's September 12th as the White Sox take on the Red Sox at 110 the first 15,000 fans will receive a Los White Sox jersey presented by Coca-Cola. Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola and enjoy the game. I actually got one in the fridge. I might have to grab one before the show's over. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash promos. So uh, peeling the curtain back just a little bit here on White Sox Weekly. We like to do that fairly often. Uh, it's a pretty easy curtain to peel back. Sean Davis is our producer at the station today. And as we had Lucas Giolito on the show just a little while ago, he and Eric Ostrowski, who was also back there, were giving me a heads up on our, our little chat that Dallas Keuchel, who had a rough start last night against the Cubs, was in a pregame media session, and that what Dallas was talking about was uh, pretty compelling and pretty important. So we're going to bring you, and you and I will listen to this for the first time. Sean and Eric have had a chance to hear it, I think, but I've not heard what Dallas said, and I don't think many have yet. We'll probably be airing it for the first time here. So we'll get to that in just a second. I, I do want to mention, though, um, that you can close out the regular season with two lower-level tickets for just 30 bucks. There's still plenty of exciting White Sox baseball to come this season. If last night was any indication, you know that's true. Be here for it all for tickets and more information. Visit whitesox.com slash closer, C-L-O-S-E-R. That's how you uh, visit that website and get those tickets. So, Dallas Keuchel had a rough start. Uh, probably the, I'm checking the old numbers here. It's, it's the second in a row that has been a little tough for Dallas. He went five and gave up six his last time out. Five and two uh, the time before that. So it's been two rough starts in a row. August has been a difficult month for him. 
He spoke with reporters uh, just a few minutes ago here at Guaranteed Rate Field. So Dallas Keuchel was asked right off the top what happened last night. It's scary. I mean, you add you add Yaz back into it, and I mean, what he did last night was absolutely incredible. But it's just it just stretches everything out. I mean, there's really no weakness, no hole in the lineup. You can't really pitch around somebody to get to another guy. I mean, that's what we expect. That's what everybody expects is a lot of runs. If I would have started off well, we could have basically ended that game in three hours instead of four and changed. I mean, I just left a couple balls up. Honestly, there was there was two balls, the the wisdom home run and and the Torino's changeup that that just weren't very good. And I mean the home runs have been have been kind of my death wish this year. I mean, more so than any other year I've I've been pitching, but I just gotta make better pitches and and watching a little bit of the film was was kind of enlightening. I mean my kind of my lack of, of two seam command down and away to righties has been hindering my ability pretty much for the whole season. I've been searching for that for, for a lot of the time and one game it'll be there one game. It won't be there. So that's really my, that's really my biggest handicap right now is, is the fact that I'm, I'm not consistently hitting that low and away two seam fastball. And, and what kind of work can you do between starts to, to, to kind of improve that? Yeah, usually it's a feel. I mean, my extension is probably a little bit less out in front with, with that pitch than any other pitch. And for one reason or another, it's it's just not as consistent as it as it usually is. And I mean you can look at you can look at everything and kinda kinda make yourself a jumbled mess. So I try to keep it I try to keep it simple in, in between when I'm doing my work. And, and sometimes it, 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 it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's just um it's just the way things have been going right now. And you take away August, it's looking better, but by no means am I pitching from start to finish right now. Ha, have I pitched the way I've I've wanted to pitch? There's only been probably a handful of games where I feel like I've been my true self. That's Dallas Keuchel. Uh, more from Dallas in just a second, but he did mention the home runs being the uh, the death wish for him is what he kind of mentioned, or the way he put it. 23 home runs for Keuchel this season. That is by far a uh, the, the highest number he's allowed in any one year in his career. 136 and two-thirds innings. The next highest home run total for Dallas is a 20-home run allowed season. That was back in 2016, the year after his Cy Young Award. In 168 innings, he allowed 20. So yeah, the home run ball has been uh, something of a factor for Dallas this season. You can get around home runs if you're not putting so many guys on base, and and that's kind of been a function uh, of Dallas's struggles so far this year. 3.1 walks per nine. Uh, is not exactly a well. It's a tough total to live with when the home runs are that high. Now Dallas was also asked in his pregame press conference whether there are any health issues causing some of the struggles he was talking about. I wish I had something for you guys that I wasn't feeling well or anything. I mean, I'm I never make excuses. So I, this is honestly the best physically I felt all year, and it's really kind of mind-boggling sometimes. The uh, just the one or two mistake pitches that I that I make in the course of these games, 
you know, just thinking back to Oakland too, I, I walked a couple guys and then it was just a single that, that, that really did me in. So if I take away some of the self-made mistakes, I mean, we're looking at a, a totally different five, six last 10 starts. I mean, my last 10 starts have been ugly to say the least. So you take away one or two pitches here and there, and we're looking at a different, a different dynamic, but physically I feel great. So, um, I'm trying to ride this thing in September and, and, you know, make some adjustments and hopefully we're sitting here talking about a lot of wins instead of uh, a lot of pitiful performances. Last little bit from Dallas Keuchel here after last night's rough one against the Cubs. Sox came back to win the game 17-13, but it was a six-run first for the Cubs. Dallas was asked uh, whether or not he feels as though he's pitching for a playoff roster spot. I definitely think that's fair to say. I mean, I'm open and honest with everything that I that I say and do. And I mean, shoot, I've been I've been probably not probably I have been the probably there I have been the weakest starter in the rotation for I mean, shoot, much of the year. And I mean, that just speaks volumes to advancement of Cease and and Rodon being the guy that everybody expected him to be. Giolito and Lynn have been the just been them been themselves and it's just me kind of kind of bringing up the rear so absolutely I'm not of course I think about it I mean it's it's what everybody plays for when, once you get a taste of the postseason that's that's all you want to do from from there on out so I've definitely thought about it but letting myself kind of get rolled up into that idea is is the least of my worries right now I gotta just I just gotta make sure that I'm I'm myself come October 3rd, the last game of the year, and, and you know, whatever happens, happens. But I've always been a, a, a team-first guy. So if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be as mad as whoever else isn't on it. But at the same time, if you're not getting the job done, you don't expect a spot if you're, if you're not putting up the numbers and, and doing your job. That's White Sox starter Dallas Keuchel. Some real honest stuff from the veteran lefty Dallas Keuchel here on White Sox Weekly. That was with reporters just a few minutes ago. Uh, we had Lucas Giolito on the show just a little while ago. It's it's kind of two different – well, Dallas kind of said it himself. He's you know in the rotation. He's the guy who's got a little bit of work to do to live up to the rest of the uh, the performances that have been put on by Lance Land and Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon, and even Reynaldo Lopez to a certain point. Um, here's – Here's a couple of thoughts on, on what that rotation looks like right now, uh, the, the level of alarm and, and the potential that both Dallas and the Sox have for working out of any issues here, too. A couple of things to note. One is that after this series with the Cubs is over, the White Sox will play it in 16 consecutive games. Their first off day in 16 will be Monday. The last off day they had was the day after a win against the Yankees in the Field of Dreams game, which I don't know how you feel about it, but just given the way, it feels like a while ago, right? They've then got two with the Pittsburgh Pirates, Tuesday and Wednesday, here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Then an off day, then three against the Kansas City Royals, then an off day, and then a stretch of six against Oakland and Boston, then an off day, and then a run against the Angels, the Rangers, the Tigers, Cleveland, with a doubleheader in there as well, then an off day, and then the final two series of the year. Two games set against the Cincinnati Reds, an off day, 
and a three-game set against the Tigers to finish off the regular season. I don't expect you to remember necessarily all of that. Maybe you've got the pocket schedule, and certainly don't pull a schedule out while you're driving around saying, hey, well, what did he say again? Here's the crib notes. Sox have a lot of off days to finish out the season. A lot of opportunities to space out the rotation, too. And if you've if we've seen anything, and I mentioned it after we said goodbye to Lucas Giolito, he was our guest earlier on the show, if we've seen anything, it's that whether it's been Lucas or Lance, Carlos, Dylan, Dallas, or even Reynaldo Lopez, one extra day has meant a lot for these starters. And I think if you looked around baseball, especially this year after last, that extra rest has helped a lot of starters come back to their peak performance, or at the very least, rebound quite a bit from where they had been at. I don't know that that's necessarily going to give Dallas you know, the next great start, I, maybe, um, but it's certainly, it's certainly better than having to roll back through another long stretch of schedule here late in the season. So that's one thing the White Sox have going for them. They also have Reynaldo Lopez pitching out of his mind right now. Mention the five perfect innings he threw last night out of the White Sox bullpen. He's the first White Sox reliever since 1911 to throw five perfect innings out of the bullpen. Eddie Seacott did it in 1911. And and that's that's meaningful because it's not just that performance from Lopez that's been really good. It's been his last couple of starts. Last couple of fill-ins for Carlos Rodon in the rotation. And when you get to the playoffs... You don't start five guys, right? It's really rare to see a team like the 05 White Sox, for that matter, that'll actually start the five guys in their rotation in five consecutive ball games. That just, we, we don't really live in that era of baseball. And I think you could probably even say that in 05 when it did happen, and not that it's not happened since then, but it's, it's rare. You know, that's the exception that proves the rule. You know, usually guys are going, or teams are rather going back to their top starter after losing a game, or you know maybe they do get that you know short start from somebody, and then they've got to go out of the bullpen. I mean, the, the the example that I've used quite a bit here on White Sox Weekly this year is that as the Dodgers were closing things down against the Rays last year, uh, it wasn't you know it was Julio Urias who had started a lot and been in the bullpen some for the Dodgers in the 2020 pandemic season. It was Julio Urias getting big outs late in those games, and going for an extended couple of innings against the Rays to shut things down and eventually give the Dodgers their first World Series win since 1988. I think that being able to space out your rotation and make a couple of different choices over the last month and change of baseball plays to the White Sox advantage here. And if they can get Dallas Keuchel sorted, and you kind of heard him go through the issues that he's that he is looking to sort through, figure out, and fix, then you give yourself one more option for a guy that might be able to come out and throw impactful innings out of the uh, out of the bullpen. I, I don't know whether or not the White Sox will give starts to any more than three guys in the postseason. They could, but we just don't know that yet. And doing so would kind of be an exception. You can roll with three or, or maybe four piggybacking a couple of guys in a playoff series the way, it's, the way they're designed now with the off days. So I, I think you know, this, this last month, while the White Sox are you know, back to as fully operational as they've been, there are still a couple of things that you want to see sort themselves out and, and get back to a, a regular everyday rhythm as the Sox close out the season. 
312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This is White Sox Weekly. We're back with a real funny story from Yasmani Grandal about getting ejected from a minor league rehab game. When we come back, you won't want to miss it. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Two on, nobody out. Long hold, now the pitch. A drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! It's a tie ball game! Welcome back, Yasmani! Right when the White Sox need him, he delivers and gets them right back into this game. That ball was absolutely massacred. And this place is up for grabs. A wild one last night for the White Sox. They came back to beat the Cubs 17-13 the final. That home run, called by Len Casper and Darren Jackson, was the one that tied things up for the White Sox. Yasmani Randall playing in his first game in 52 days. Well, his first big league game absolutely obliterated a baseball. Two of them. You'll hear the other one in just a little bit. Uh, Fun game last night. What a night for Yasmani Grandal. Tied a career high with eight RBI. Uh, You can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field and maybe see more like that for the Run Your Socks Off 5K. That's presented by Guaranteed Rate on September 18th. Racers will cross the finish line on field followed by a post-race party on the concourse presented by Michelob Ultra. A portion of the proceeds benefits White Sox charities and the Guaranteed Rate Foundation. Learn more at whitesox.com slash run. Yes, Monty Grandal spoke with reporters after the win last night. Kind of talked a bit about what his first game back felt like. Yes, Monty, uh, what was it like to, uh, to be back tonight? Obviously, the results spoke for themselves, but how are you feeling out there? I feel good. Um... Uh, mainly for me, it's, it's pretty much just getting getting uh, uh, you know my stamina back, feet underneath me uh, on the catching side. You know while I'm running around, um, you know, I felt pretty tired. Uh, you know halfway through the game uh, after running around, you know blocking, moving, moving behind the plate. But you know it just comes with comes with a job. Um, you know thank God that uh, you know I'm back and I have a month of, of of games uh, to be able to, you know, get my salmon up and, and uh, be able to feel good by, you know, by the time the playoffs comes. You guys played so much in the beginning of the season without Aloy, without Luis, and, and now the last couple, you know, the last little bit without you. What does it mean for this team to have all you players to have the key guys back healthy? Well, it means a lot. I mean, you know, I said at the beginning of the year in spring training, you know, it takes – it takes the whole the full forty man roster in order to in order to get through a season, and I, I feel like uh, we've done a really good job at that. Um, you know, the guys have been coming up, have been stepping up and helping us win. And now that we have everybody back, uh, you know, it's just a matter of you know getting accustomed to each other and, and accustomed to the lineup and the guys out on the field. And you know, it, it's only going to get better from 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 here on out. That's Yasmani Grandal. I know a lot of White Sox fans feel the same way, that it's only going to get better from here on out. The Sox are as healthy as they've been in a really long time. 
Grandal was kind of talking there about how you know he felt tired some, you know, playing a full nine inning big league game uh, at the minor league level. He'd been able to play first a little bit, DH a little bit, and that'll be the, the assignment for Yasmani tonight against the Cubs. He's DHing and batting in the uh, five spot after Eloy Jimenez and in front of Brian Goodwin, who's got center field tonight against the Cubs. Uh, game two of the three game series here on the South Side against the Chicago Cubs coming up at 6.10 this evening, pregame show at 5.30. But Grandall, you know, even though he was kind of tired halfway through the game, that didn't mean the performance was uh, let down at all. After that three-run homer, he had a two-run double and then another three-run homer. Here it is. And he drives one deep. That ball will go! A three-run homer for Yaz, and what a night! He has had eight RBIs. That's better than a cycle. Yeah, you're not kidding. You will definitely say, I don't need no stinking triple. Give me the four-bagger. What a night for Grandal. Yeah, just a huge one. I mean, just a, a really incredible night for Yasmani Grandal. The eight RBI ties a career high for Yasmani. That was his last eight RBI game. Uh, was a few years ago, 2015. He was playing for the Dodgers at the time. They beat Milwaukee 14 to four. It was a, what is the fifth month of the year? Is that May? Yeah, May. Back in May of 2015, he had two home runs that night. He walked twice. Just a just a ridiculous four for four night on that evening. He was four for six yesterday with a double and two home runs. Didn't walk, but also this, you know, Grandal was a, a topic of conversation on White Sox Weeklies for a long time, up to the point where he got hurt. And I, I kept on telling people, and a lot did, he was valuable for this White Sox team, even though he wasn't hitting over 200 for all of his 2021 season up to last night. He went from a 188 average last night to a 203 average last night, all the while keeping the on-base percentage right, right, really close to 400. He's at 394 right now and slugging 481. You know, he has been a, a huge part of this White Sox offense. And, you know, in, in a similar way, I, you know, obviously nobody performed the way that your mean Mercedes did in the first month of the season. He was that dude, right? I mean, that's that's a storybook first month, especially given where your mean was, where he came from, no playing time, the big leagues really to speak of. Grandall's an established vet with a power bat and an approach and an understanding, a switch hitter, all that kind of stuff. But for the last 26 games, up until he got hurt, the batting average was back up around 260, and the on-base was there, and the slugging percentage was there around 564 grand all in the last 25-26 games before he got hurt on the 5th of July. I think in a really big way, Grandall has been a, a powerful force in this White Sox lineup, a steadying force for this Sox lineup as well. You think about you know the, the last two weeks or so against the Yankees, the Rays, the A's, and the Blue Jays. There have been nights where a trip through the first four or five hitters it goes pretty quickly for the White Sox. You know, kind of some of the, the nights where the offense hasn't shown up, and you've got some swing-first approaches and guys like Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu and uh, Luis Robert at times when he's been up there, even though his swing-first approach has been really productive 
since coming back from the injured list. But at times, you can have some quick trips through those first four hitters. And whether Grandall's batting five tonight or up in the two spot at times or, or you know, wherever Tony LaRusse is batting him, what you have there is a much more consistent on-base approach. That are an on-base, I shouldn't say approach necessarily, but it is at times, a profile and production that allows for some of those swingers, those big boppers, to put up more than just a solo shot or a double that ends up with a guy at first base and a couple of strikeouts. You need that kind of balance and varying offensive profile in a lineup in order to make it as, um, as threatening as you want it to be throughout the regular season and in playoff time too. So anyway, after Grandal has a little bit of time where he's trying to get acclimated, he hits the second home run, it's a three-run shot, and we found out from Rick Hahn uh, earlier in the day about the ejection from Yasmani Grandal, or, or of Yasmani Grandal during a minor league game. Well, finally, Yasmani had the chance to tell the story himself. This is in the post-game last... Here's Yasmani Grandal talking about the minor league ejection that got him tossed from his last rehab game and back to, uh, back to Chicago just a little bit earlier than he thought he would be. Well, I mean, last night, um, it actually, you know, go, it goes back to Tuesday. Um, you know, they had the umpires just had a really bad game. Um, after the game, as they're walking down the tunnel, I just let them know. I said, hey, you know, you guys had a really good day today. Um, guy that was at third base, I apparently didn't really like it. He was behind the plate yesterday. I struck out. I turned around, didn't even look at him. And I told myself that, uh, you know, that was a really bad uh, bat, not quite that way, but I didn't even scream it out loud. I just said it under my breath. He thought I was talking to him, and that's why he threw me out. Um, From a player's perspective, I mean, if I'm not really looking at you, I'm not really talking to you. So the only reason why you think I'm talking to you is because your sole purpose was to throw me out. you know, he let me know right away from the first two strikes he called that he was waiting for me to give him, you know, he was waiting for me to give him a rise. So um, instead of looking at him, I started looking at the dugout and everybody kind of knew. So, um, but whatever happens, you know, no matter whether I'm playing in the minor leagues or I'm playing in the big leagues, if I'm catching, that's my, that's my staff. Uh, that's the way I see it. That's, you know, when I first signed here, I said it. I don't like to lose whether I'm on a rehab start or whether I'm I don't really care where I'm at. Uh, I don't like to lose. So I'm very competitive in that way. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to make you look like. You know, you're dumb. I'm going to wait to the right time to do it. Uh, I'm going to wait till, till the fans are out there. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do it the right way. Um, but the fact that, you know, he threw me out, it was. It was kind of crazy. I didn't. I didn't even know he threw me out until I got to the dugout because I wasn't even really looking at him. Um, that is Yasmani Grandal. I guess it. I guess it just goes to show you you can take the big leaguer out of the big leagues at least on a minor league rehab start for Grandal, but you cannot take the competitive fire out of the guy, and that's that's a bigger reason as any as the White Sox made him uh, the offer, the contract, the highest paid player that they have. They believe in him, the production, and what he brings to the pitching staff as well. It's kind of a funny story there, too, or at least funny in as much as there, there are no uh, 
There are no consequences to it. He leaves the minor league rehab, comes back up to the bigs, and then launches eight driven in with two three-run shots for the White Sox and a big 17-13 win over the Cubs last night here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Sox fans, you want to see another one like that? You might want to do it like this. For one week only, you can save up to 50% on a patio party to select games to wrap up the regular season. Enjoy a two-hour all-you-can-eat buffet along with unlimited beer, wine, and Coca-Cola products. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash flash sale today. That's whitesox.com slash flash sale. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. The patio party out here is just a blast. you got to get out here. You see the Petucci's, the whole thing. Great food, unlimited beer, wine, and Coca-Cola products. It is a blast. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. This is White Sox Weekly. You've got the ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox and Cubs coming up here from Guaranteed Rate Field at 610 this evening. Got a day game tomorrow afternoon. That's a 110 start. Our pregame show at 5.30 tonight and at 12.30 tomorrow afternoon. White Sox have won all four matchups against the Cubs already this season. Two more to go, but the Wintrust Crosstown Trophy belongs to the White Sox. Yasmani Grandal was uh, was holding the hardware along with his uh, other teammates standing next to him yesterday after the game. Uh, took the victory photo. The hardware is theirs. I'm not sure where that, you know, because COVID protocols still have, uh, you know, us broadcasters and reporters out of the clubhouse yet. So I'm not exactly sure where that trophy ended up or whether it's resting in a locker or something like that uh, downstairs here at the ballpark. But I would imagine it's in a, you know, a cherished place, a, a mantle place or something like that. Maybe it, maybe it rotates from uh, Tony LaRusso's office to a varying, I don't know, member of the White Sox who does well. Or maybe not. Maybe they just put it in the middle of the room and then they you know, kind of hang out with it the rest of the day. A couple of things to do before we wrap up White Sox Weekly in a little bit here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. One thing that I want to get to again is Len Asks. You know how this works. Usually you get to use the Twitter handle at ESPN White Sox to get a question to our guy, Len Casper or Darren Jackson, depending on whose days it is. Uh, But on Saturdays, we do things differently. Instead of you asking them a question, Len asks you a question. We played this a little earlier in White Sox Weekly, but then uh, talked with Lucas Giolito for a little bit and then heard from Dallas Keuchel in his pregame press conference. So let's reset a bit what Len's question is for you today. Here it is. Len asks. Today's Len Asks is pretty simple. After Reynaldo Lopez's five perfect innings and Yasmani Grandal's four-hit, two-homer, eight-RBI return, which player is more important to the White Sox down the stretch? So I've given my answer to the question. You can give yours either at on Twitter, at ESPN White Sox, and then we'll read it during the game, or you give us a call, 312-332-3776. And I think we'll touch back on this at the top of the hour, uh, in the 5 o'clock hour, because I want to go over the postseason roster. Well, I shouldn't say the postseason roster, but the expansion to 28 uh, comes September 1, and I think we'll kind of get back into this, you know, who's what performance has been more important down the stretch, which which will be more important. i got to give it to Yasmani Grandal 
for no other reason than he's going to play just about every day. He's a catcher, and his performance touches not only the starter that he's working with, but also the relievers that come out of the pen. You know, there's just so much more impact for a guy when he's playing that often and catching, like Yasmani Grandal usually will. Now, he's DHing today, of course, but that still doesn't mean he can't affect the game a little bit more. Renato Lopez has been great, don't get me wrong. And, you know, maybe he pushes himself into a rotation spot here in the last month of the year. But it's it's just always, for me, for Connor, it's it's always going to slant toward the position player. And, and in the case of position player, it's going to go to the catcher one way or another. Give me a call, tell me I'm wrong, give another opinion, or, or kind of back up one differently. That, that's cool, too. 312-332-3776. You know, I, Sean Davis, our, our producer, kind of hit me to this story that just popped on MLB.com. And it's one that I wanted to touch on real quickly here before we hit the break and then uh, get back to talking a little bit more about the White Sox specifically in their 28-man roster choices come September 1. But this happened in a White Sox game, and it happened to be one I was calling with DJ. It was one of the toughest things I've, I've seen in a baseball game, and I'm just really glad that the news coming back on Chris Bassett, Oakland starter Chris Bassett, has been as um, positive, I guess, as, as it could be, knowing what he went through. And y'all remember... That in a game against the White Sox uh, two weeks ago, Chris Bassett was hit with a line drive comebacker off the bat of Brian Goodwin. The um, It was tough. It was just really tough to watch. It was a violent hit, um, and it took Bassett down to his hands and knees, and he was there for quite some time. Uh, a lot of blood from Bassett and the uh, the right side of his face. The ball got him just under the cheekbone. And um, it was uh, watching Bassett get taken off on a cart was was difficult. It's just a moment in baseball where I, I don't I don't know that a whole lot can be done to protect pitchers more than has been done from situations like this. And you might say, oh, well, there's the there's the super padded hat, and, and maybe you can put face cages on them, things like that. The, the super padded hat doesn't protect you from a hit to the face like this. Bassett wasn't in a terribly bad fielding position. The ball was over 100 miles an hour off the bat. I just, in situations like this, in sports like this, with high velocities, there are some spots on the field, be it a, a baseball field, football field, a hockey rink. You know, there's, there's just places in sports, like physical locations that are more dangerous than others. So I, I saw in the story today that just came out about an hour ago, Chris Bassett returned to the Oakland Coliseum uh, before today's game against the Yankees. It's his first time back since undergoing facial surgery here in Chicago that was back on Tuesday. Uh, the game in which he was hit was August 17th, so uh, so last week, I guess. And it sounds like, um, you know, he's. I'm looking at the picture here. He's still got some swelling and some redness in his right eye. He still thinks he got real lucky. All things considered, he says, I dodged a bullet. The prognosis going forward is looking great, which is fantastic to hear. Uh, Bassett says he's, I, I'm, I'm excited to be as lucky as I was. And I, I think it's... You know, everybody deserves the concern and the outpouring of concern that Bassett had after being hit, both from the White Sox franchise and the Oakland A's and his own team, obviously. But Bassett seems like a dude that's that's really thoughtful about where he came from, about the, the opportunities that the White Sox gave him, some that they didn't. But in trading him to the A's, the, the opportunities he's had there to, to really reach a level of success, an all-star level of success in this game, 
I, I was just really glad. And, and Sean, I appreciate you hipping me to the story, man. I'm, I'm really glad to see that things are going as well for Chris Bassett as they could after a, a really difficult spot to be in here, a really painful spot, obviously, too, and, and scary one. You know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a guy who's been hit by a comebacker the way Bassett has and others have in the past and getting back out there, you know, to, to go do it again. You know, these guys are competitors and wired differently than I am and than, than many of us are to begin with. So I guess to a certain degree, the sport and the position kind of selects for guys who can handle some of that. But, you know, being in a situation that Bassett has, that's that's a different story now. That's a different conversation. I'm really glad to see him back at the ballpark and and, and really good news. Uh, so if, if Sox fans, you were worrying or maybe you were at the game and saw it happen, there's been, you know, some really good developments with Bassett after having after having gone undergone surgery here in town. He was back at the ballpark today and, and you know, for all uh, for all you could expect, looking pretty good and, and feeling pretty good about things as well. 312-332-3776. Might want to get in on this next part of the conversation. When we come back, I want to talk a bit about what the White Sox roster looks like now and what it might look like on September 1st. The expansion is going to happen. Rosters go from 26 to 28, and the Sox may have some choices to make. I want to know what you think about what's on the table for the White Sox as they get into the last month of regular season baseball before the playoffs, what you want to see uh, from some ball players, what you want to see from some performances in this last few weeks. 312-332-3776. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox and Cubs coming up here at Guaranteed Rate Field tonight. 6-10 first pitch, 5-30 pregame show. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. This is White Sox Weekly. We'll get the pregame rolling just about 5-30. Got some special things going on at the ballpark coming up here in the last few weeks of the regular season. We'll tell you about them in just 10 seconds. We'll pause it here. For station ID. The uh, White Sox are proud to announce Joe Fresh Goods Day on Wednesday, September 1st. In honor of Joe, we're offering specially priced tickets. Plus, the first 1,500 fans will receive a one of a kind JFG bobblehead. A portion of every ticket will ticket sold will go to community goods. To learn more and get your tickets, go to whitesox.com slash JFG. Speaking of September 1st, and I mentioned kind of wanted to go over this a bit before the break, uh, and would love to hear your thoughts on what you'd like to see from a couple of, um, you know, not starters, but other roster options for the White Sox once you get into September. Here's a bit of a recap of what, what I'm talking about here. Normally, or in the past, I guess more accurately, rosters go from 25, or 26 as they are right now, to 40. Anybody on the 40 man can come on up and be a part of September baseball. You know, it's been that way for generations. I grew up that way for sure. Now, the rule changed. Last season's pandemic rule has changed into something that's going to be, I think, uh, sticking around baseball for a little while. And I think it's the right call, going from 26 to 28 as opposed to 26 to 40. I think what it does is it allows teams to be a little bit more judicious, although you know, they're difficult roster decisions, but a little more judicious about who comes up, who plays in September. Baseball itself as an entity has been looking to shorten the average length of games for a while now, and you know that's a different topic altogether, but 
they're into it. So the decisions they're going to make, the rules they're going to make, are going to reflect that some. Going from 26 to 28 prevents uh, a team late in the season from going to you know, 15, 16 different pitchers in a ball game. We've seen that for years, right? But what that means for the White Sox is a little bit more immediate. The White Sox are obviously a, a contending team. They're going to win the AL Central. And they're going to look to the postseason as something that they have expected for a good long while here. And when your team like that, expanding the roster some comes with a few considerations. Now, one of them is going to be a third catcher. Now, this is something Tony LaRusso told Len Casper on a pregame show about a week and a half ago. And obviously, things could change the way, you know, the, the way they were said earlier. But tonight, against the Cubs, Yasmani Grandal and Sebi Zavala, both catchers on the roster, are in the lineup. Grandal's going to DH and bat five. Zavala's going to bat nine and catch. Tony had mentioned earlier, and I you know, happen to agree with him on this, that he'd really like to go to three catchers once the rosters expand back to 28. So that means Zach Collins is up, and now your roster's at 27 with Collins back. I think what that does is we're going to talk about the, the catcher decision in, in and of itself real quickly here. I think that's necessary. I, I don't know how you'd get around without it. Even right now, you know, with Grandall going to need a, a day here or there to DH or maybe play first, you, I would really like to have that third catcher on the roster just to – just to inoculate you some uh, against freak things that happen, uh, fatigue that could occur. I mentioned it at the start of the show or in the first half hour. It's hot out, and that that really affects catchers. There's a lot of gear back there, a lot of work back there. So I, I get it, going to that third catcher. Now the White Sox have, so if Collins is up, that means that remaining down there in AAA or on the injured list are... Five players that the Sox have seen before this year that have mattered, that have you know really kind of produced. And I'm I'm not talking about pitchers necessarily because you know injuries happen and maybe you have to you have a game here or there where you've got to pitch more guys. I think you still could see some roster fluctuations with a guy like I don't know Ryan Burr coming up at some point this season, something like that. But Billy Hamilton, Adam Engel, Gavin Sheets, and Jake Berger have all played big parts of the White Sox season at points. Angles on the injured list and the rest are either rehabbing in Billy Hamilton or down to AAA as, as optioned players. But bringing up that next guy, it, it, it could be a pitcher. You know, you could roll with Reynaldo Lopez and Dallas Keuchel kind of spreading out the rotation to a sort of six-man feel, even with the extra off days that the White Sox are going to get in these final few weeks of the season. There are some uh, some opportunities, I think, to give some rest to starters or at least provide uh, some backup with a guy like Gavin Sheets if he were to come up or Billy Hamilton if he were to come up uh, after his rehab stint is over at AAA Charlotte. So I'll be really interested to see exactly how Rick Hahn and Tony La Russa fill out that 28-man roster. And, you know, from there... You know the, the reason we're kind of the reason I I'm focused on the 28 and what that's going to look like once uh, once things expand come September one is that I think it may give an indication as to where playoff rosters may go. I think it gives an indication as to what Tony might be looking for on a playoff type setup because you've you've seen before 
you know, whether it's a, a guy like Quinton Berry or Gerard Dyson, you've seen before, you know, teams add that last guy to a playoff roster that just steals a base. You know, going back to all the way to 2000, and this is kind of what I have to do, right? You go all the way back to 2004 when you were a kid and a big impact play was Dave Roberts taking that base for the Boston Red Sox against the Yankees in what was an amazing 2004 season for the Red Sox, right? They came back down 3-0 against the Yankees. Everybody knows it, right? A couple of nights in October. But that guy wasn't on there just to take a base, but you saw how impactful that stolen base was. Billy Hamilton could be that guy for the White Sox. And to boot, he's had some really impressive offensive performances as well this season. He has, he's had big hits. Is that the way you know the White Sox want to go? What does that tell you about who else the Sox could add? I think it's a, a really interesting couple of calls that the White Sox and Tony La Russa uh, will make as it regards that 28-man roster in just a couple of days. Let's head out to the phone lines real quickly here before we hit a break. In Naperville, it's Larry. Larry, you're on White Sox Weekly. What's up, my man? Ian, yeah, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, good. Uh, I heard some of your thoughts. Don't quite agree with some of them at all. Um, well, which ones? Well, first of all, Adam Engel's got to be, if he's healthy, he's got to be on the roster. He's, he, we can't compare Adam Engel and Billy Hamilton the same breath. They're completely – one's a good player, one's not. Well, just to be clear, um, Larry, we, we can't do that yet because we don't know how healthy I, Adam Engel is or isn't at this point. You're right. You're right. You're right. But if Adam Engel's available, it's, not, it's a no-brainer. I, I Billy think Hamilton that's probably is, true. Okay, number two, we can't have Zach Collins on the roster. On now, the 28-man roster or on a playoff roster? Well, either one. Uh, See, because that's where... Larry, let me, I'm not, let me finish, Larry, I'm not let me cutting finish, you off, man. I'm not cutting you off. It's just that's where I disagree with you. And, and just for sake of reference, I'm telling you, that's what Tony Larusa told Len yeah. Casper just a couple of days ago. I know. Ago I think he's wrong. Pre-game I think he's wrong. Well, it's, it's not whether wrong. he's wrong or right. It's his decision to make. So there, there will right. be three catchers on the roster. You, you asked me my opinion. I'm not saying what Tony LaRusse is going to do. I'm just making I'm sure you my got opinion. all the facts. That's all. I'm giving my opinion. Zach Collins, in fact, last year was the coup de grace of Zach Collins. When we bring, put him on the playoff roster and he pinch hit instead of McCann in the second playoff game. If that kind of stuff ever happens again, then we have just don't know our players. Now, I'm just saying this because, in my opinion, if Angle's healthy, you probably have to, unfortunately, not have Mendick. And you probably would, in my opinion, bring up Sheets. Um, well, you're already over 28 at that point, though, Larry. Well, Mendick's, Mendick's on right now, currently, correct? No, he got sent down. Oh, he got sent down. That's right. Okay. All right. So, so Mendick's are Who was he sent down for? He was exchanged. Give me two seconds. Um he was in the Grand Doll roster move. I know he was in the, that was Zach Collins. Carlos Rodon returned to the roster. Sorry, Larry. Carlos Rodon came back. Danny Mendick was optioned in that move. Okay. Well, quite frankly, um, I believe it's got to be Angle and Sheets. That's my opinion. Um, if those, if Angle's healthy, um, I, I think it, it's. I don't know how many teams are going to carry three catchers into the playoffs. I think a lot. Maybe, well, well, into maybe. the playoffs is a different question. I thought you were talking about the 28. I, I think a lot of well, teams are going to carry three three catchers for the last month. They might. They might. I mean, I think we've been very short of 
a left-handed strong bat, and I think Sheets proved himself worthy. And and there's no question that Adam Engel has really proved him. And by the way, talking about stealing a base, he's phenomenal. Yeah, Engel could do it. Larry, I appreciate the phone call, man. Uh, thanks for chiming in. I The White Sox need to carry a third catcher. Because you cannot afford, at least in my opinion, you can't afford to just be with two and put Grandall in any sort of compromised physical situation, given the fact he's coming off the knee surgery. To me, carrying a third catcher, even if it were, even if it were me having to catch, is more important than putting Yasmani Grandall in any sort of physically compromised situation. And as for lefty, Grandall can do that, too. Got to step to a break. Otherwise, we're going to be late for the pregame show. So we step aside here, and we'll be back to close up White Sox Weekly in just a few. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Been talking about the... uh, the expanded roster that's coming up on September 21st. Just a couple more games for the White Sox before those rosters open back up to 28. It'll be one more game against the Cubs after tonight. One more game against the Cubs. Off day two against the Pirates. And then that second game against Pittsburgh, you've got uh, the option to go to 28 guys on the roster. Uh, and just kind of underscoring that has been Tony LaRusso's stated preference for having three catchers. Now, it, I believe it is that you, you've got to wait 10 days to bring a guy back up from the minor leagues but after you've sent him down. So it could be just a couple that the White Sox have to live without the three catchers on the roster that Tony LaRusso would prefer, but I, it does feel like that's on the way. And for what it's worth, I do really like the aggressiveness uh, of playing both catchers in a lineup uh, the way that Tony has tonight. Yes, Monty Grandal, DHing, and Sebi Zavala uh, behind the plate. It's just that, you know, and the, the White Sox uh, health, health staff, that's not a thing. The White Sox training staff and doctors and everything, they're not going to push Yasmani Grandal anywhere that he or that knee shouldn't go. Not worried about that one bit. But you want to build in uh, days of rest. You want to build in less impactful, less stressful days for Grandal as a DH or maybe even a first baseman when you can. That is going to be crucial for the Sox. The day game tomorrow, so I, I I would expect Grandal to get the off day there. Then an actual off day on the schedule on the 30th. That's Monday, the first off day for the White Sox in 16 straight, going all the way back to the 13th of August since the Sox had their last off day. It, I, Larry was the the caller that we were talking about the the lineup with just a little while ago, and you know I I understand the uh, the desire to have Gavin Sheets back up to the bigs, the you know, lefty bat that showed himself real capable of handling pinch hit work, of handling the outfield well enough, and and really kind of having a having a plan up there. Uh, talking to a a bunch of scouts and people and Darren Jackson actually too uh, about the difference you can see in a young ball player who's up there and just kind of getting by on talent. Not that there's anything, anything wrong with having that talent and getting by on it, but to also have a plan of what pitches you can be dangerous on, what pitches you got to lay off, which ones will allow you to get the job done. You know, I'm talking about a situation where maybe there's a runner on second or third, and sure, a, a line drive into the gap would be great, but something over to the right side moves the guy 90 feet or maybe even scores a run, so that's good too. Gavin showed you the ability in a lot of situations to be able to do all of those things. I just don't know 
and, and I would expect not, that Gavin Sheets comes up to the big league roster because he's got development let, yet to work on. And how much can he help the 2021 White Sox in a couple of at-bats here and there versus how much do you need the regulars to get back into the swing? You need Luis Robert to get playing time. Um, you need Andrew Vaughn to get hitting the way he had, not that he's been all that bad over the last week and a half, but the way he had for most of July. I mean, the guy had been absolutely killing it. Yohan Mankata is now on a 13-game hit streak where he's been killing the baseball. I mean, just absolutely fantastic for Yohan Mankata in this stretch of 13 straight hits. Let me give you the numbers on, on Yohan during that run. He's hitting 347. It's the second longest hit streak of his career. Two doubles, a homer, five runs driven in. The average has gone up 11 points as well, which is kind of difficult to do when you think of how much baseball that Yoan has played this season. Yeah, it's, it's not been the 2019 Yoan Mankata, but it has been a very, it has been a, an effective and valuable Yoan Mankata, especially when you consider the on-base percentage that he carries right around 360. And at points, it's been a lot higher than that. You think back to the first two months where he's carrying a 400 or 405 on base. That's been really big. Add that in to the defense he's played at third, and I know he made... Uh, a tough play against the Blue Jays the other night that cost the White Sox. But I, you know, you go ahead and look at whichever defensive metric you want. You'll find Yoan Mankata toward the top of third base leaderboards. And I, I just don't know that White Sox fans appreciate enough what he's able to do and how his, his reliability on, on a most everyday basis has contributed to the White Sox success this year. Yoan Mankata is a big reason the White Sox have been able to do what they've done and, and survive the injuries that they've had to in Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, uh, and Yasmani Grandal in the lineup at the very least. Now, I think, too, you know, I, I think we, I'd, be, I'd be really missing something if we wrapped up White Sox Weekly without talking a little bit about Luis Robert and what he's been doing since coming back to the Sox, since get, going to the injured list uh, back in May. He's on a five-game hit streak. Over his last 56 at-bats, he's 22 for 56, hitting 393. Three home runs. He only had one before going on the injured list uh, back in May. Three home runs since then. The power stroke has been there. The approach has been there. I mean, he's fallen behind in counts and then laid off pitchers' pitches, things that have been designed to get him to chase. He had a really nice A-B against Robbie Ray, who was just devastating with the slider up in uh, Toronto a couple of nights ago. And Luis Robert was one of the guys who had a really nice at bat, a really disciplined approach. I I don't, you know, Luis Robert is the kind of guy that Frank Thomas has called a a six tool player. You know, usually it's five tools, but Frank sees Luis and he sees a six tool. He's that kind of good. I get it. And I get the potential. I get the potential everybody sees in Luis Robert. It, It could be that you know, as, as many talented players as the Sox have in their lineup on an everyday basis, you know, everyday players, Aloy, Luis, Yoan, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, I mean, the list goes on. Luis Robert might be the guy who's, you know, kind of eye-opening or in this last month of the season really starts to figure things out and get hot. Sox fans saw what, what a really hot-hitting Luis Robert looked like last season when he finished runner-up to Kyle Lewis in the Rookie of the Year award. And you saw how it can go dry, too, for him as well. But 
you know, I, I think the experience of having gone through those spells of, of, you know, swinging and missing, being fed off speed and outside, low and away, it's clear that, that he's grown up to a certain extent, that he is a very smart baseball player capable of making adjustments and being dangerous both while he's done it and after he's done it too. So some props to Luis Robert over the last two weeks or so and the performance and production that he's provided the White Sox. That's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks so much to Lucas Giolito for joining the show. Uh, Thanks to Sean Davis and Eric Ostrowski and Ryan McGuire. As always, if you missed anything from this White Sox Weekly, you can just go over to the ESPN Chicago app. All of our shows are downloadable. If you missed an interview or a funny joke that somebody told me or any of the Len Asks, you can find them there at the ESPN Chicago app. Just download everything that's available for iPhone or for Android. Thanks so much for calling. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with the pregame show at 5.30 in just a couple of minutes, so don't go anywhere. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.